Welcome to our fourth truth bit called Salt and Light. I'm Dietrich. And I'm Lennox. You know, Dietrich said our purpose for doing the series, Is This the Beginning of the End? He said it in episode one, that our purpose was to wake up certain people, especially wake up the church, church across America, the church even across the world. And I want to explain why he said that. We're going to share a few sections of a video of a pastor speaking at the Faith and Freedom Coalition Conference held earlier this summer in June of this year, 2022. I believe it reemphasizes our purpose here at Truth is Now Treason. I want to start off with reading just a couple of verses. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people and he says to those people who are listening, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus then goes on to share how we are also to be light to the world. You know, both salt and light have properties which affect things around them. Salt is used not only to enhance flavor, but also to be made a preservative. This is something Pastor Jeffress goes on to explain in his sermon as well. He says that it was used as a preservative in the Middle East before refrigeration was made possible. They would put salt on meat. It was put on there to keep it from spoiling or decaying during long periods of travel. This is especially a problem in the desert heat. Now, I'm sure some meat probably still spoiled, but for the most part, that salt prevented the meat from decaying. That meat may have spoiled some. However, that spoiling was delayed for longer than if you hadn't put any salt on it at all, right? I want you to listen to this pastor. This is Pastor Jeffress of Dallas speak about this very passage and how it relates to the church, to the believer today in 2022. In Jesus' day, before refrigeration, salt was a preservative. It didn't prevent the decay of meat, but it delayed the decay. It gave the meat a little longer shelf life until it had to be thrown out. And Jesus is saying, I am leaving you in the world instead of taking you to heaven immediately, first of all, to be a preservative, to delay the decay of the culture and the world so that we have longer to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what salt means. We are to push back against the evil in the world. Now, notice he said, we are to push back against evil in our world. And that is what it means to be salt. That is a believer of Christ's responsibility. If we aren't doing this, then we have lost our saltiness. We are useless as Christians, just like with salt is to meat. If the salt doesn't have any saltiness left, it's useless to the meat. Same thing for the church. If we don't push back against evil, then we have lost our saltiness. Now, Christians have been salt throughout the world at different times in our history. It was Christians who fought against slavery. It was Christians who helped to begin the civil rights movement here in America. Even just recently, it was Christians who voted for Trump in 2016. This is the same guy who put in three pro-life judges on the Supreme Court who just recently voted to reject Roe versus Wade. This is what happens when believers do the right things and they push back against evil and don't remain silent. If you read historians from the Russian Revolution, they'll tell you one of the reasons the Russian Revolution happened is because the church became dead. They were not fighting against evil. They were not showing love to those outside the church. The church 
That is, salt and life changes society for the good. It delays evil, just like Pastor Jeffers says. It makes living a little more flavorful, just like salt does to food. Christians who act as Jesus commanded in Matthew chapter 5 flavor the world when they act as the salt of the earth. Now, Pastor Jeffress goes on to share about a time when the church did not act as salt, but instead was silent. And this made me cry when I listened to this. I want you to hear it too, so you can cry. (laughs) Second Thessalonians 2, Paul said, we are a restrainer of evil. What happens when Christians refuse to be salt? They refuse to restrain evil. Look at what happened in Nazi Germany. The reason Adolf Hitler rose to power and killed six million Jews was because, by and large, German Christians remained silent. They said, we're not going to get involved in politics. We're only going to preach the gospel. Let somebody else do that. One Christian who lived during the Holocaust said, we heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it. A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we could hear the whistles in the distance. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We drowned, dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew we would then hear the cries of the Jews en route to the death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly, and soon we heard them no more. Years have passed, and nobody talks about it anymore, but I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. God, forgive me. Forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians, yet did nothing to intervene. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot be silent any longer. Make no mistake about it. The Joe Biden administration is the most evil presidential administration in the history of the United States of America. And it's time for Christians to stand up, to push back, to speak out against their evil, evil agenda. Man, I don't presume to know what I would have done if I were there in that church. But hearing this story surely makes me think, are our local churches doing this very thing? Are we just trying to distance ourselves from people being persecuted in our society? Or are we pushing back? I don't believe we are pushing back. And I wish more pastors like this pastor Jeffress would speak out against this evil. So this is why we must talk about what is happening around in our country and in our world. There are just too many Christians silent today. They're trying to distance themselves. And my heart is so heavy because the church is too quiet. Seems to me like in our nation, We've become a church where we think that passivity is spirituality. You are never going to find that quality anywhere listed in Scripture. Passivity is not spirituality. 
There are people out there who think it is spiritual to not make waves, or that quoting scripture behind church pulpits at small group Bible studies or on social media is more spiritual than taking a stand and being salt and light in this world. Meanwhile, just like those Jews screaming that were being led to the gas chambers and the German church ignored them, today we have people who are being destroyed by others in the political arena or in the public eye and they're being attacked across our world. And the church seems to think that ignoring these evil attackers, never condemning them publicly, these people are defending those being tortured or oppressed, just like the German Christians acted when a train full of Jews were being crammed into the train cars. They decided being passive was the more spiritual thing to do. But here's something that Elie Wiesel said, we must always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. We've said this before, but we're giving this quote again. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. It's amazing to me that we live in this society where we know bullying is wrong and we tell kids, you see bullying happen, you stand up. But when we see people bullying others and tearing others down and doing it with lies, somehow we, as a church, we think the spiritual thing to do is nothing. Those German Christians ignored the evil beside them, all while engaging in comfortable Christian behaviors, like singing to the Lord at church. And boy, they were singing loudly too. That made them even more spiritual, huh? It was much easier to sing to the Lord than to try to do something. I perfectly get that. But they bought into that lie back then to keep out of politics. And I think the church today in 2022 is buying into that same lie as well. Individuals say, well, we need to honor the separation of church and state and remain quiet about social issues. I understand this, but let's truly be honest here. There are ways to discuss and call out wicked people without violating the statute. I think just like how it was easier for the German church to sing more loudly, not draw any attention to themselves, you know, keep the peace. Today, it is easier for the American church to blindly follow supposed social norms. And I say supposed or even follow the church crowd and use this statue as an excuse to not do anything at all. Yet a lot of these same members of this very spiritual American church don't seem to have a problem sending their Christian kids to secular colleges where professors are eager to teach lies as truth. Even Christian universities now are hiring professors, liberal professors, who do this as well. And then we wonder why our kids spout off things that are contrary to the Bible. The Bible does tell us to sing, to worship, to win souls. Absolutely. But it also says we have to be salt to expose evil and to push back. And as that German man prayed, God, forgive us. Forgive the American Christians, the American church, and all the churches too across the world if this is our behavior currently. Jeffers goes on to say how the Christian also needs to be light. We are to seek ways to speak about God's to others, to teach and lovingly show unbelievers why they too should follow Christ. Being a true follower of Christ doesn't put mandates on you or guilt you or bring condemnation upon you, but rather God's forgiveness makes you a child of God, which will allow your escape from eternal hell. Having a relationship with God offers safety and protection to either keep you from danger or offer strength during it. 
to the unbeliever, knowing God gives you hope. Hope that helps you still be able to smile through the storms of life. And yes, even during the decay of our nation, knowing God helps flood you with joy and peace. Unbelievable peace. Wow, I mean, that is what Christ offers. And and as believers, we should be telling others more about what Christ can offer them. To the unbeliever listening right now, we love you and we want you to have this free gift that is offered. We want you to have that power, the power to not only forgive your sin, yours and mine, but that gives us purpose. Jesus's power that will sustain you during what might be coming down the road. Knowing Christ is how you will make it through. And let me say that again, only knowing Christ will get you through. Yeah, and this is the point of Truth Is Now Treason. Our purpose is to make a plea to the church to begin acting and speaking out. First to the believer, why are so many of us keeping silent about political events? Why do followers of Christ always say that Christians shouldn't talk about or get involved with politics when there is no instruction from God to do so? I mean, if this is the way God really felt, it would be said quite plainly in Scripture. Do not get involved in politics. Nothing like that in there whatsoever, is there? Let's stop letting man's way of thinking control us. I've also heard how Christians should be quiet. We shouldn't use our tongue to condemn others. Remember, there's a difference between condemning others and exposing the evil deeds of others. Our focus is on the latter. You know, Dietrich and I went to church with a family a few years back whose kids are now grown, but this was a Nazarene church, one that I grew up in and which I love. It's one of the more conservative denominations among Protestants. Methodists are better. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're heathens. (laughs) And to the Methodists who are listening, I love you dearly. We're just joking. (laughs) Just recently, Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court and Roe versus Wade, basically the Supreme Court just gave the power back to the states. The Supreme Court overruling Roe versus Wade did not mean that no one could have abortion. States will make their laws and women will still get medical care. It's just the federal government won't have power to say, yes, you can have an abortion or no, you cannot. It's each state, 50 states. But this daughter of this family, she spoke out against these Supreme Court justices who ruled to overturn Roe versus Wade. And she was upset and she said she's now broken and now she doesn't want to have kids in this world because if she has a daughter, her daughter wouldn't have basic rights. Now, we know that is a lie, all right? But this girl has bought into this lie, the leftist lie. And this is a church-raised kid who is now in her 20s, but when she was a young person, a teenager, she was faithful in, in attending church with her family weekly. She comes from a bright family. They're all intelligent. She did attend a secular college, though. And I don't know if it was the college or if it was her parents, but this is why I say, and Dietrich and I both say, that we must talk about political events and relate them to biblical teachings. So that way, our children will know that the Bible is the standard by which we make our decisions and our choices. And everything that we think and believe needs to start first at the Bible. Somebody didn't do this with this girl because she's spouting and siding with those who are against God's word. The last I heard, this girl professed to be a follower of Christ. And if she is, she is spouting things and siding with those 
who are against God's word. How can that be? If we don't speak up about these events and relating it to God's word, somebody will speak out, but we need to be doing it in a graceful manner. We need to do it in love which means we definitely need to be prayed up. But we do need to share, even if people don't like the topic. You know, and if you won't do it, then please don't condemn or try to stop those who are doing what the Bible commands God's people to do, to be salt and light. So if you're not going to speak up, then don't condemn those who are willing to. You should be defending those who are pushing back. We're going to listen to one more clip from Pastor Jeffress's message words of William Watkins in his book, The New Absolutes, he said, it is time for Christians to reject the new tolerance and instead become a people marked by intolerance. Not an intolerance that unleashes hate upon people, but an intolerance that is unwilling to allow error to masquerade as truth any longer a tolerance and intolerance that is willing to stand up and call good, good, and evil, evil. May God give us the courage to do just that. I want to end this with one simple thought. One of my favorite people from all time is Alexander Solzhenitsyn. If you're not sure who he was, he was a Russian pastor who lived in Russia during the time period when the communists ruled Russia. He was thrown in the gulag, and you may have heard his uh, name before because he wrote an incredible book called The Gulag Archipelago, and he was a pastor. And he had something incredible to say. If you look him up, just look up Solzhenitsyn's quotes on lies, and he says just some of the most incredible things. And you might be sitting there thinking, you know what? Dietrich, you know what, Lennox? I don't have the courage that you do to stand up to the lies. Listen to what he had to say. The simple step of a courageous individual is to not take part in the lie. One word of truth outweighs the world. The simple step of a courageous individual is to not take part in the lie. Which is not remaining silent. Exactly. We cannot remain silent. We cannot remain silent when there is a system out there designed to systematically destroy our family by telling our children that you may have been born male, but you're actually female. We cannot take part in the lie that says that the way God designed the family for a mother and a father to raise their kids is not the strongest way to build a family. We cannot take part in a lie that says Socialism, a system that was designed to be anti-God, is a perfectly acceptable system to run a nation. It's a lie. We cannot take part in lie after lie after lie. Because what's the problem with lies? The problem with lies is not so much that you'll believe the lies. The problem with lies is you will forget what the truth is. And that's the goal. We must stand up for the truth. Here's another quote by Elie Wiesel saying, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness, it's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy, it's indifference. And the opposite of life is not death, it's indifference. There's anything that we want to try to get across is that way we won't be like the church in Nazi Germany in those days where we just ignore the cries and the screams of those being persecuted. And that reflects, you know, what Jesus said about they will know you're my disciples by how much you love one another. I mean, is it love when we stand by and let others be destroyed? The answer is obvious. 
Until next time, my fellow traders.